Fire in the Mountains, Chapter 12, Part 2. It'll be okay. Don't do that, Kotsky grumbled. But it will. You'll, you'll figure something out. You always do. You're worse than Kiri sometimes. You know that, Sweepy. Mina laughed a little humorously. <laughs> so what? You want me to tell you the world is ending? His is. Mina was silent. Shoto drew up short, hand outstretched to knock, and brought his hand to his face when all at once he felt tears in his eyes. He hadn't cried in his fucking bedroom. When he'd been alone, and when no one would have known, but now he... He drew back, frantically, furiously wiping his hands over his face because he couldn't talk to anyone like that. He couldn't let them see him like that. All the shit he's told us about that bastard. I'm half convinced if we let him go back, he'll wind up dead. No, Mina said slowly and reasonably. He's his son. He wouldn't. He already burned one alive, Mina. We know he'll do it if he wants to. And he's... He's so fucking contrary sometimes. Mina chuckled. <laughs> of course he is. You'd have to be with a father like that. So how long before Daddy Dearest decides he only needs one son and doesn't feel like dealing with Shoto's fucking smart-ass mouth anymore? You... you really think? I don't know. Kotsky sighed. <sighs> My brain's all fucked up. You didn't see his face. He was terrified. Shoto swallowed. But the lump in his throat was only getting bigger. He'd have to come back later. You need to relax, Mina said, voice falsely bright. And and maybe talk to Izuku about a... No, Kotsky said sharply. This doesn't concern him. But he's smart, Mina insisted. He's better at this stuff than any of us. And he's got lots of knowledge about Flatlander dis diplomacy. How do you know that? Kotsky demanded wryly. He's been reading books ever since he got here. I've caught him at it a few times, and when I asked him, he said he was trying to understand Shoto's culture. <clears throat> Shoto frowned. He hadn't known that. I've read most of those books, too, Kotsky said a little defiantly. So, you can help each other. Stop making sense, Kotsky snapped. Let me wallow. Shoto's probably doing enough of that for the both of you, Mina said grimly. Kotsky made some sound, a little grunt of grim assent. You should go find him. If he wants to be alone, why would I bug him? Who says he wants to be alone? He said as much. Ugh, men. Mina groaned. You don't get it, 
do you? Get what? Of course he's not going to tell you if he needs to talk to you. He's Shoto. He wouldn't know how to ask for help if you wrote it for him step-by-step instructions and drew some diagrams. He don't need help, Katsuki said. He's... Oh, bullshit, Mina said. He needs help the same way you need help, which is force-fed. Sounds like a good way to catch fire, Kotsky replied. Just talk to him, Mina groaned. Don't let him tell you he's fine. He's never fine. I know that. Shoto bristled a little and raised his hand to knock again. His hand stalled over the wood. He shouldn't eavesdrop. He'd done it enough here to know better. But Kotsky was a little different with Mina, and Shoto couldn't help but want to listen. He didn't talk to Denki about these things, and Kiri leaned on him most of the time. Except for when he'd overheard Kotsky and Izuku together, Shoto couldn't remember the last time when he'd really heard Kotsky ask anyone for advice. They were quiet, though, and Shoto couldn't hear anything. Maybe he should just... He'll listen to you, you know? Mina said softly. He don't listen to anybody. I don't know, Mina said slowly. I think... Maybe. What? I just think you should talk to him. And be honest, Mina said firmly. Honest. Honest. Koski said slowly, like the word didn't make sense. Honest about what? Mina cleared her throat a little. You want him to stay, right? Of course I do. I think you should tell him that. He knows that. Koski said stubbornly. Oh, have you ever told him? Have you ever told him you're glad that he came to live with us? I, well, no. So tell him. Koski made a sound of disgust. He doesn't care about that, Mina. Maybe you don't know him after all. He doesn't go for all that touchy-feely shit. Just tell him! Ugh! Mina groaned in exasperation. Would you just trust me and tell him? Just trust me, okay? I know shit. Call it women's intuition. (laughs) Very fucking funny. I bet Izuku agrees with me. I bet he agrees a lot. She said in a sudden sing-song voice. Oh, shut the fuck up. Kotsky grumbled. Izuku doesn't count. He's such a fucking crybaby. He's emotionally intelligent, Kotsky. Why do you think girls like him so much? 
girls may get off on that bullshit, but Shoto is not. Shoto spent his whole life being told he's worthless if he wasn't so strong. Shoto felt like he'd been punched, or like he'd brushed Dinky's hand and gotten a shock. How did Mina know that? Or why? Why did she think that? Why did it feel true? Kotsky hummed a little thoughtfully, and Shoto couldn't listen anymore. He left. He got about four steps down the hallway before he heard, Eavesdropping again, princess? He drew up short, shoulders hunching guiltily, and turned his head enough to see Kotsky standing in Mina's doorway with arms crossed. Shoto must have been too loud when he'd tried to get away. I was looking for you, he said quietly, unable to really lift his head and look Koski in the eye. He felt flayed, exposed, like one huge raw nerve. He didn't know what to do. The door clicked closed and Koski's feet came into sight. He put his hand on Shoto's back low at his waist and said gently, Come on. Shoto let himself be led back to Kotsky's office, and Mina didn't follow him. Kotsky urged Shoto into an armchair, and Shoto stared into his own lap and took him a long time to realize Kotsky was moving around the room, doing something near the fire. When Shoto finally looked up, a tea kettle was hanging over the coals. And then Kotsky came and sat in the chair beside Shoto. Not the one across from him, but the one beside him. And then he said very firmly, I don't want you to leave. Shoto buried his face in one hand reflexively, the lump in his throat and the pain in his chest an awful premonition of tears of crying in front of Kotsky of all people, and Shoto couldn't do that. He couldn't show anyone that sort of weakness, and at least of all, Kotsky. When he was sure he could speak without his voice cracking, he said, I don't want to. I'd... <clears throat> Kotsky cut off and cleared his throat. I mean, I'd... And then he did it again. Shoto lifted his head a little, peered at Kotsky through his fingers, and Kotsky's eyes cut to the side when he saw Shoto looking. His voice was gruff and low and surly when he said, I'd, uh, miss you, I guess. It was tiny, subtle, but something in Shoto's chest loosened up at that. He stared at Kotsky a little curiously and wondered why he didn't think Kotsky was making fun of him. Kotsky cleared his throat and sniffed and said, Uh, you know, I mean, Kiri, he'd be devastated, you know, and Mina, and... Danky? Yeah, Danky, you know, they think of you as family. Sort of one of them, even though you're... Kotsky trailed off. I'm not.
Trotsky grunted, cheeks pink. Not. Well. I'm not saying I don't. Uh. Family. Fuck. Thank you. Trotsky finally looked him in the eye again. And then his voice got very strange. You know you are, you know. Even if we're not. You and I, I mean. You're still... Family. That hurt. Shoto wasn't sure exactly why. Exactly which parts... If it was the way Kotsky had said, we're not. Or if it was the fact that he'd used that word, family. Kotsky was suddenly loud and rehemnant when he said, I take care of my family. I'll tell you what I can. Shoto said quickly, looking away. So you're prepared. But I don't think... I don't think there's any way he would have sent me here without a surefire way to get me back. Shoto blinked. I'm too important. Then why? I'm his legacy, Shoto said quietly. He brought fire magic to our line. And mine is the strongest. Even I'm not, if I'm not king, I'll... <sighs> Shoto sighed, frustration tangible even to his own ears. He'll want to make sure that gets passed along. Shoto wasn't sure how he hadn't seen it sooner. It was so obvious that I have children. He couldn't do that if he was married to a man. Fuck. Maybe this had been Inji's plan all along. To send Fuyumi would be to risk a child. But not. He'd always wanted to send Shoto. Of course he had. Fuyumi was his favorite. He'd never risk tainting her like that. But he'd known Shoto would want to protect her. And he'd known Shoto would be strong enough to keep himself pure. To fight if Koski hadn't been an honorable man. And that there would be no shameful result if, Ko if Kotsky and Shoto did. And Shoto had walked right into it. Had thought he was foiling some plan by volunteering himself when all he was doing was making things easy. For NG. Kotsky wet his lips like his mouth was too dry. He'd make you? Shoto nodded very gl grimly. Do you even like women? Shoto shrugged. I don't think that matters. Of course it fucking matters. I... Suppose some women I could maybe. Shoto trailed off. He thought Mina was beautiful, 
in her strange, black-eyed way. And Ochako with her pink cheeks and brilliant smile. The truth was, he'd always noticed men first, if he noticed anyone at all. But he very secretly enjoyed the sight of Mina's naked breasts and strong shoulders too, much to discount too much to discount women entirely. And then Kotsky said, Shoto, tell me what to do. Shoto wasn't sure he knew. It felt hopeless. Inchi could bring an army to their doorstep if Kotsky refused to give him what he wanted, and Shoto told him as much. <clears throat> and then Kotsky smiled. It was sharp, pointed, predatory. Shoto's stomach flipped over and he felt ridiculously lightheaded for a moment. Because he'd been so distracted by all of this, he'd almost forgotten how incredible Kotsky's face was. He looked like he was about to eat Shoto whole, and Shoto didn't think his brain, his body, should be responding to that smile this way. And especially not at a time like this. Fuck. He was... No one made Shoto feel like this. No one except maybe. How could he go back to how it had been before? How he could he go back not feeling this way about someone? It was frustrating and infuriating and it hurt. But it felt good too. And made his skin buzz, made his chest ache, and he was stunned to realize that he'd take this, this distance between them, this hole in Shoto's heart. He'd live in it. If only he still got to see Kotsky every day. Missing him from across the room was infinitely better than missing him a kingdom away. <laughs> Whatever he had planned... Kotsky said, wolf-like and angry and determined. He didn't expect we'd be like this. Shoto swallowed, tried to clear his mind. Like what? Friends. Kotsky was right. Inji had spent Shoto's whole life keeping Shoto isolated. He'd never expect that Shoto and Kotsky could actually cooperate with one another. Shoto didn't want to hope. Not really. But it was better than despair. A plan, however shoddily constructed, however unlikely, was better than no plan at all. So Shoto opened his mouth and he started to talk. I know this was super short. And, uh, it was a lot shorter than I thought it would be. <laughs> But uh, I didn't realize I had done so much of part one. Um, so yeah, that's the end of chapter 12. Um, chapter 13 is coming up next. Be prepared for some NG.